I'm not stopping. We are not. We have an no. We have an hour and thirty minutes time slot here. We've got plenty just of time. Kiki's like not that serious. Okay, it's not. Can we just talk about the dog? The dog Jeff in Kiki is like the MVP because he brings the cat back and he's like the sweetest thing. And it's like the first time in anime that they didn't make a dog evil or turn it into like a hybrid with a girl. I don't know what you know? anime you've been watching. Uh, the dogs are really sweet in anime. What are you- it's called the Full Metal Alchemist. Oh. Hello, weed. Hello. That that is perfect for Halloween, I guess. Oh my god, that's what our costume should be. One of us that's has to you. do that's that. That's you. That's definitely you. Nope. That's I. Think, <laughs> no, I'm wearing my Sailor Mars costume oh, to get us these. Okay. So you right. have to do be. We, uh, are, are we? Uh, are we getting that as a verbal uh, agreement, mm, or uh, are you backing out from that later? So, um, why did we watch Kiki then? Well, you completely botched that by going off about. <laughs> I told you we We do not have an hour and a half. Nobody listens to our hour and a half stuff. I listen to it. You do not listen to our episodes. I listen to them sometimes. You do not. I do. I listen. I the one I most recently listened to. (laughs) You can't even name them because you don't know. You don't even know when we have episodes coming out. That's that's how involved you are with our show. I have to drag your ass onto. I think it was. I think the last one I listened to was the Sailor Moon one, because I was curious about what the hell we even talked about. The end of this really became a mess. Good I know this is all your fault, man. Oh, you should edit this. I'll give this to you. No, it's your fault. It's your fault because you didn't want. If I edit it, the bird shit's staying in. <laughs> why? Why? I mean, why do we need to talk about the bird shit with Kiki? That had nothing to I do really with Kiki. I really wanted to share my We're not story. Incoherent and I think, nature talk. How are we going to cut that part out when it's clearly funny? We're not going to cut it out. We'll just have us babbling over each other, and the episode ends. That's incoherent geek shit for you. <laughs> oh my god, we didn't even talk about Kiki. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's the one we didn't spoil. Did you then. even watch Kiki? Yes, I watched Kiki. <laughs> Inuyasha is in furry Poland. You don't know what Trigon is? Oh my god. No, why are you surprised? How they're like super OP and like Trigon. Sailor Mars is over here with her psychic powers <laughs> and her ring kill toe. All right, today we have a very special holiday edition of Incoherent Geek Shit, and we are going to be talking about something Halloween-related, aren't we, Sari? Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm Ion, that's Sari. Uh, Sari is a witch who is very thirsty, and today she is going to feast. So, what are we talking about today? We are talking about three Studio Ghibli films, Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, and Kiki's Delivery Service. Right. And the reason we're talking about these three in particular is we felt like these were more Halloween themed than most of the other Ghibli films, right? Like How's Moving Castle is about witches and wizards and Spirit Away, as you mentioned to me, which I never really thought of it like this, but you're absolutely right. It is horrifying. <laughs> it is like it's a nightmare. It is like a horror house. The beginning is a nightmare. It gets less scary, but the very beginning of it is like how and and then throughout even when it's not scary there's still just these things that when you like take it out of the like 
setting and you just think about it you're like that's like terrifying oh i don't think it's just the beginning i think it's even towards the middle and the end when when no face comes out it's like oh 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 he eats things that's pretty (laughs) horrifying and and that voice is pretty pretty scary oh that's right you probably watched the english version of that one right i did yes wow see in the japanese version he's more like oh oh yeah that's how yeah he did that in the english version too yeah Wait, the way you did it, it sounded a little more disturbing. Where I didn't think it was that disturbing. I thought the more disturbing part was when he was eating people. Right, so. right. But he also right. made the noise when he was frustrated too. So he uh, he made it a few times after he ate the frog guy too. He did the uh, he did his noise a little differently. And also, we're talking about Kiki today because Kiki is a witch, and uh, you know we're keeping it right. Halloween themed. So before we jump into it, what are you doing for Halloween this year? What are you dressing as? You know, I feel like you've got really high expectations for me and I've got nothing. That's the thing. It's the Sailor Mars costume that you were talking about from our previous episode. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely check that one out. (laughs) Check that out, but don't tell them that I'm wearing that because as I have explained, Ion, that costume was something I got when I was like 12 and I have grown since then. So... Uh, we don't have an OnlyFans, but if we did, that's where that costume would be. But the the bigger question is, can you still fit in it? I believe so. Then there we go. That's all we need to know. We are going to have a whole shitload of new viewers in the next episode after you post a picture of that. So be sure to check out our Instagram not- at iGeekShit. <laughs> We're going to have some Halloween posts. I'm not going to say what kind of Halloween posts. You're just going to have to subscribe to us to figure that out or follow us there. Uh, uh, the more appropriate option, I do happen to have a jacket uh, from um, uh, Attack on Titan. So that one fully covers me unless I don't wear a shirt under it. But we're not that kind of <laughs> podcast, okay? Not yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> we're not desperate enough yet, but maybe eventually. Uh, but yeah, okay, let's, let's go into this then. So which of these three did you resonate with the most what did you like the best because a little background siri isn't a big ghibli fan like she doesn't really know much about ghibli she doesn't connect with ghibli films like normal people do most yeah i didn't even pronounce the name right at the beginning of this i was like is it ghibli or ghibli i have no clue well you are british so ghibli is okay we we accept that here uh ghibli ghibli it's totally fine yeah totally fine um, anyway, to answer your question, well, first of all, yeah, I didn't really grow up with these films. This wasn't something that my parents exposed me to as a kid, and I kind of found them... <laughs> this is like the running theme. I found it all later in my life. And so I have seen a handful of the Studio Ghibli films. I've seen, like, Mary and the Witch's Flower, um, the one about Marnie, I can't remember. Something, something, something Marnie. I've seen Kiki's Delivery Service a few, like, probably once or twice before this. I believe I've seen Howl's before this. I've definitely seen Spirited Away before this. And I think Princess Mononoke. I'm probably forgetting some, but those are the ones I I know for sure that I've seen. But I also kind of, like, forgot most of it. And I was so surprised because my favorite out of the ones that we watched for today was definitely Howl's Moving Castle. And I was kind of surprised by that because I didn't really remember. Like, I was like, I'm sure that I've seen this. Like, I know I've watched it, but I just don't remember it at all. So I thought, oh, I must, it must not have like meant much to me for me not to remember it. But then when I watched it this time, I was so entranced. I just enjoyed it so much. And I felt like the kind of themes of the show were so relevant 
to 2020. Um, but which one was your favorite? Well, I mean, don't worry. You're going to forget about it in a week and then you'll, we'll go through this again <laughs> later. But, <laughs> but uh, out of the three, I have to say uh, I've always been a fan of Howl's Moving Castle, although I have gotten I have gotten uh, a little hostile reaction from fellow anime fans over that because honestly, I do see what a lot of people say in criticism in terms of that. There is a lot of things there that departed from classic Ghibli, and that was kind of I wrote in my notes watching this. I kind of miss the whole fantasy fairy tale type of story that Miyazaki and Ghibli provided us with because How's Moving Castle really was the last kind of magical fantasy story that Ghibli ever made. Because after that, Miyazaki did Ponyo, which is the mermaid kind of child thing. Yes, I've seen that one too, actually. Very awkward film. It's a fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fish or whatever she is. Yeah. Uh, it, that was right. a very strange film. Um, it was magical, but not like fairy tale adventure style, like Spirited Away or like House Moving Castle. And then after that, of course, we all know what happened to Miyazaki. He retired, comes back, and he makes all these like kind of dreary, darkish, real life gritty movies. Like um, the last one was The Wind Rises, which is a great movie, but it's not magical, not House Moving Castle. So I always enjoyed House Moving Castle. It made me such a fan that i actually read the books <laughs> so uh it, it's like one of those things that is really interesting i always liked it but watching it again now after having a film degree i do see why a lot of people kind of criticized it and said it was one of the weakest miyazaki films but i i, I personally enjoy it too because you're right spirit away did give me a lot of horrifying memories <laughs> back in 2001 <laughs> or two whatever it was and kiki for some reason, I, I have to be honest, I've seen Kiki many times, and even throughout my childhood, before I was even remembering television and movies, I remember it was on TV. I remember vividly Kiki and Totoro. Those are the two films you see on TV all the time, especially because I'm Asian, um, and I've seen it in multiple languages, but I never really remembered the actual story of Kiki. I remember bits and pieces of it. I remember the blimp thing. I remember the, the right, boy, right. but I don't really remember the story. But watching it now, it's a really nice slice of life story. But it's not it's not something I would say is essential in terms of like the magic that Ghibli has. I think one of the biggest differences between Kiki and the other two stories is I'm not going to say that Kiki has no underlying meanings because I think there are some themes you can pull from it. But the other two are much more heavy in like allegory, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, where Kiki is... It's kind of just like this cute slice of movie life. that... It's a slice of life. Right. There's, and there's not as much depth to it, like, comparably, you know, to the other two. Where I felt like... I I wonder if the reason that I didn't um, remember Howl that well is because maybe the first time I didn't connect with it too well, I just didn't understand. Because this time I found myself, like, going through and picking out, okay, why does she turn young now? Why is she... Because she has these moments where she's like, she's old and she switches to young and then suddenly she's old again. I'm like, why? You know? And that was something I went through and, and we'll talk about. But I really wanted to ask you about those criticisms because I'm wondering, what was the problem that people had with this movie? Because I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say that because from the get-go of this film, when I started watching it from like the first second of it, I was... Like I said, I was entranced. I thought it was a hilarious film. I loved that it was able to mix, like, humor. Mm -hmm. But then you also had, like, the tragedies and horrors of war. And you had the cowardice of Howl and, and the childishness as well. Right. And also that 
the main theme, which is um, growing to love yourself. Because that was kind of the main theme of the film, is they both need to learn to accept and love themselves, uh, especially Sophie. That's kind of how she, her spell uh, breaks, is because she accepts herself. But um, yeah, what, what was the criticisms? So I honestly uh, don't really remember too in-depth about why a lot of people hated it in terms of, oh, I didn't hate it. They just didn't say, they didn't feel like it was, it lived up to the Ghibli expectation, which I admit is very high. I mean, up to that point, Spirit Away uh, was already out and it won an Oscar and House Moving Castle was its follow-up, you know, Miyazaki's follow-up. And of course, we had the classics like Kiki and, and Totoro and all those um, films. Yeah, but, but when you compare Spirited Away to House Moving Castle, the like lesson in, in Spirited Away feels different. like, you know, don't, don't be greedy and it's like oh okay yeah like yeah there's more to it but i feel like the lesson in in howl to me is more important yeah, they're different they're, they're very different tones and very they different very in different. terms of what they're trying to convey uh howl's moving castle miyazaki made it into a war film it was commentary on the iraq war because uh the book had nothing to do with this it starts off the same um and it completely diverges and let's let's go a little background. We should do this every single episode. Spoilers alert for every single episode. That's how we roll here on iGeek shit. <laughs> but um, if you haven't seen House Moving Castle, I highly recommend you guys watch all three of these films and actually every Ghibli film. But House Moving Castle, even if we spoil it, you're going to laugh. House Moving Castle is so great. The, the voice actors are amazing <laughs> in the English version. Yeah, trust me. We are. I don't know about no the matter Japanese how much we gloat about it or how much we talk about it, we we're doing a disservice. You have to watch Miyazaki films and Ghibli films. They're just that amazing. Uh, but How's Moving Castle is it's it's more of a traditional fantasy story. It's about a woman, a young woman who gets cursed and she uh, grows old and she doesn't know how to free herself of the curse. So she runs into a wizard on a castle that moves and throughout the adventure. <laughs> what? what? I'm laughing because the line she says. What a dump. Yeah, what a dump, yes. <laughs> this isn't a castle, that's what she said. It wasn't a castle, right? It's like a... And okay, so that's that leads me to one of the criticisms that House Moving Castle got. Not from me, but I, I just remember this. Uh, so the book was a very serious book, but it had nothing to do with war. And it was a castle. House Moving Castle, Miyazaki style, was not. It, so a lot of people felt like this movie was a parody of the book. And I understand that I, as someone who actually read um, Diane Wynn's book, um, I, I see that. I understand that. It's kind of the, 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 the year, the differences between the decades that the books were out and the, and the film was created, it's drastic. So, of course, things were changed. And I feel like the castle in this film was so magical. Because it wasn't a castle, and it had its its own yeah, identity. I agree. It could have it could yeah. have literally been a floating castle, like a levitating castle, like what the original book was. But Miyazaki created a completely different castle with its own identity, and I love that it has a little grass backyard. And I don't know if you noticed that, but one of the shots at the end of the film, you could see. Um, you can see uh, the dog and the the little wizard guy yes, running in it. Yes, I remember. And I, I remember mm-hmm. the first time I saw this film back in the two thousands. I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to have a little yard like that. In like a, it, it's like <laughs> it's the coolest thing. Like it gives kids so much imagination to imagine their own little space. Every room in that in that entire castle was just something magical. And the the aisles inside and how the door changes 
with the little uh, rotating sign and it opens up to a random place. That's not really it kind of worked like that in the book, but it was more grounded in England. It was in Wales and different places. But in Miyazaki's film, it was all these mythical cities and magical areas and also in a grassland. It's different. And so I understand where people criticize this and say it's not as magical or serious as previous Miyazaki films or not as serious as previous um, Miyazaki films. But I like it nonetheless. Yeah, and I think um, having the castle not be a castle, because I get it. Like when you read a book and then you watch a movie, you're very um, loyal to the book always. Like, you know, for me that happened with Harry Potter and, and right. any like book that kind of became film that I read first. But if you do it the other way around, then it's <laughs> not so much of a big deal, right? So not having read the books and hearing that it was a castle, like an actual castle, and now it's um, it's like this metal thing, but there's all these different almost like compartments, and it looks kind of rusty, and and then it has legs. Very signature Ghibli. That's very signature Ghibli, by the way. Yeah. It has legs kind of like um, a beetle or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually kind of does look like a beetle. It's Yeah, it's kind of, it's very strange, but I, I thought that, when you think about, like, Howl, he is the majestic one. You see him come out with his blonde hair and that jacket that has, like, the pink and the yellow diamonds on it. And he's he's flamboyant, but he's still attractive and it doesn't take it too far. And, like, he's so majestic and magical in his own way. But then the castle is, like, this different reflection of him. It's a reflection of his of the chaos inside him. He's a man who is a coward and he's running He's running from the things that he doesn't want to face, so he doesn't have time to clean it. You know what I'm saying? Is like you see these different facets of the castle, and I think the fact that it's you know this dump <laughs> actually kind of works out because it maybe reflects what's going on in his life more than a beautiful castle with stone walls and tapestries and you know what I'm saying? I feel like it it works. You know what the, the change makes. Yeah, sense. that's a good point because I think they did that better in Howl's Movie Castle, the movie, than they did the book. Because here's a difference in the book that uh, is very noticeable. So in the book, Howl is a big playboy. So in the film, he goes out and he changes into a bird to fight in wars, right? But in the book, he's actually going out to, on dates, flirting with a bunch of women. And Calcifer Cal- says that he spends hours locked up in the bathroom getting ready for his dates cleaning his look and all that stuff right getting himself prepared so you make a very good point that the castle is a dump but he cares so much about his appearance that would have been a great addition to the book if that was the case or vice versa with the with the film they did a great job illustrating that uh the the uh differences they it's like it's like how how only cares about his appearance and on the inside there was something missing. At least that was what the original character was like. So the the castle kind of illustrates I think that. That's still, I think that still translates over though, because there's a scene in the movie where, um, so Sophie is the name of the main character, the female who turns old, and she becomes the cleaning lady, right? So she cleans his bathroom and moves all of his potions around, and he ends up dyeing his hair ginger because he doesn't realize that it's the wrong bottle. He's probably looking for a shampoo and he got the wrong thing. And he 
he gets angry and he's like, I'm ugly. And he says, if I can't be beautiful, I might as well like give up or something along those lines. And his hair turns black and all of these uh, dark spirits start coming. And Calcif is like, he's calling the dark spirits. So that's definitely still there where he's this person who's definitely very um, concerned with his looks. I think vain is the word I'm looking for here. And so that I think that does still, um, it does still cross over to, to the movie from the book that he's very concerned with his appearance but maybe is missing something inside and I I I have one of the things I loved about this movie is I felt like Sophie you see Sophie with her family and I I do think her sister cares about her but her mom her mom betrays her for one mm-hmm. um when she tells the uh, Solomon lady like she she brings in that worm thing she gets that, paid like, off to do the bidding of yeah right. the main villain in the film right and even then, you know, her mom is, like, always leaving, and Sophie's the one who's got to take care of the hat shop that they run, and her sister's very beautiful, and she's always getting compliments, and um, it felt like Sophie kind of felt like she didn't have much, you know, like, she had her hat making, and that was about it, like, she didn't seem to have the best relationship with her family, clearly she cared about her sister, and I think her sister did care for her, but they just didn't seem that close, and I think... What, what Sophie and all of the other characters who end up living in the castle, um, so there's a little boy, Markle, and there's Howell, and then Calcifer. And, um, yeah, I think they all together create a family. They create a new family together. And I thought that was one of the beautiful parts of the movie, and I think that might have been maybe what Howell's missing, because it also says that he was alone. He shows Sophie this um, little teeny cottage on, like, a little lake or a pond or whatnot, and she goes, you were alone? Because he, he said, my uncle gave me this. And so you find out that his life too, he grew up alone. And she also, I believe her father passed away. And so yeah, it was. I thought it was very beautiful that even though it's such a cliche in movies that like, oh, it's true love's kiss or whatever that breaks the curse. In this movie, it was love, I think, that ultimately broke all of their curses. But it's done in a way that it doesn't feel so cliche and it, it actually feels very heartwarming and like it's it's very it's just beautiful it's just such a nice like message overall that they all and, and it's different types of love too like for Sophie I believe largely it's self-love but you you do see some um, bits of like other people like Howell because um, he gives her like that beautiful field with all the flowers so she gets help along the way, but I think part of it is that she learns to love herself and that's why her curse is broken, that she becomes confident and accepts herself and loves herself. And at the end, she thinks her hair is beautiful when throughout the whole movie, she keeps saying that she's not beautiful. So I thought it was cool that she thought at the very end that her gray hair was beautiful. And for Howell, I think, um, obviously his curse gets broken because Sophie figures out that his heart was Calcifer, right? So she breaks... That was, like, the hugest spoiler ever. But um, she figures that out. So for him, I think it's, like, a familiar, like, romantic love that really ends up being the key to figuring out what the way to break his curse is. So it's really cool that it's different kinds of love. It's not just romance. And then, of course, we have the... uh, the scarecrow guy which his was true romantic love because Sylvie kisses his cheek and then yeah. his spell is broken yeah so it's really neat yeah it's uh it's interesting because in the original um novel sophie 
the the reason that is explained as what it is is she was the oldest child. She actually has two younger sisters, and she lives in a world that fairy tales exist. So the oldest is always not a curse, but in some ways a curse. She can never accomplish anything. She can never uh, marry a prince. She can never. She has to be the sibling who is left out because she's the oldest. Apparently, that's a fairy tale trope, and. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's that's basically the premise of of that story. And in the book, it focuses a lot more on her relationships uh, with her sisters, especially her sister who actually was cut out in the film. Uh, so that should explain a lot more of the – they replaced her with kind of like uh, the scarecrow guy and things like that. And she, you're right. She finds her own family. So instead of reconciling with her family, she makes a new family in the film. So that is a big change. And uh, I do like it here. Like – I like what I think you were saying this uh, when we were talking about this film, but the fam family isn't blood. Family is who you make of it. It's who you find yourself to be comfortable with, and who you want to be with, who you who makes you happy. And it doesn't always mean it's people who you were born with or born into. And this film really shows that they they, they have that really nice message of like this band of misfits growing into a family uh and it even shows because calcifer kind of like calcifer is kind of like the genie in aladdin i even had i even said the inciting incident of this film reminds me of like jasmine meeting aladdin <laughs> you know uh the how how goes and saves um sophie from the guards by uh right. by hitting yeah on hitting her. on her saying that she, they were dating or something kind of the same way as aladdin well, in this film, I feel like Calcifer is like the genie. So Calcifer basically gains his freedom at the end because uh, he's no longer tied to Hal, but he still comes back because he loves Hal and the the friends that he gained from that. It's his family, too. So I, I found that really beautiful and heartwarming. By the way, I have a conspiracy theory that the Solomon lady is the one who cursed Hal because the falling star that he ate looks a whole lot like her magic. Just Wow. So okay yeah yeah that that yeah i i could see that for sure yeah oh do you also feel like i it's don't know a, why she would do it do you, but. do you also feel like it might be a self uh fulfilling prophecy because do you think how as a kid saw adult sophie yell for him yeah i don't know because she she really like ends up going into the past and she tells him to to, to come to her in the future yeah, right uh -huh. after he eats it because she's figured it out so it maybe yeah there's a but, few things uh, in this film i mean yeah that I, I i've seen this film multiple times i still don't understand like what you were saying earlier why does she change from old to young to mid old to oh, i i'm still never really fully yeah, understood yeah, yeah. that i have i have a theory my theory about this is it's all about her perception of herself mm -hmm. so i i've got a couple like um notes on this so the biggest thing about sophie is she believes that she's um ugly and she sees her sister her sister's always got men and people going um what's her name letty oh hi letty they're always greeting her they're always talking to her she's very clearly popular and she looks like her mother okay and sophie doesn't right and the other thing about sophie is her her fashion is not very flamboyant um Maybe she's just not interested in that. Maybe she thinks it doesn't suit her. But you can see there's like major differences. Like um, you see her sister's wearing eyeshadow. It's like purple or blue or something. 
and Sophie's not wearing any of that. Um, her, her sister and her mother's hair is like up in a bun and Sophie's is in a braid. So she's very clearly not the societal standard of beauty in this time period, right? That doesn't necessarily make her ugly though, and clearly she must not be if gods are willing to hit on her. Unless they really take anything, but I don't really think that's I the think case. I think she's very attractive. I, 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 I always I thought, thought her she was pretty too. Design was really and beautiful. I thought her hair in the end was so yeah. cute. I thought the white short hair actually looked so yeah. good on her. I like the I like the um, braided hair at the end too. Like I thought her long hair, yeah. silver hair looks. Silver hair is in okay. So or it's ombre. It is. <laughs> it is. Anyway, go on with your point. Uh, but I, I. Yeah, I thought it was mostly about um, her own perception of herself and um, self-esteem because um, you find these uh, moments, like for instance, Howell takes her to that um, that field, the field with all the flowers. Well, actually, there's there's a couple in this scene. So first, they change the house, right? And he goes and he shows her to her room and she walks in the room and sees it's, it looks a lot like that place where she was making hats in the beginning. And she becomes so happy because he's done something nice for her and she grows young again. So I think right now she's feeling, um, I mean, obviously love for him, but I don't think it's just love for him. I, I think that kind of does tie in there. You know, there's always the saying that you have to accept yourself before you can like give love to somebody else. And to some extent, I think that's true. And so I do think that love ties in there in the way that other people showing you love um, can give you more confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody, if you're like, you know, feeling a certain way about yourself and, and somebody happens to compliment you on something that you maybe thought was a flaw, you actually can feel better sometimes. And when people acknowledge your worth and your talents and things like that, it does make you grow more confidence in yourself. So it's, it's something that other people can affect, but that you also have to work on yourself. So I think that Howell is affecting her and helping that change, but that she's also coming to it herself. So I think in that moment, she does something nice for her in giving her this room that's like the one she used to have. So she lights up and she becomes young again. But the line that he says after that, because she asks him why he did it, and I think until he says this line, she thinks it's because he loves her. He At least he cares about her. And he says, you deserve a room befitting of your station. And she takes that completely the wrong way. She goes, I'm just the cleaning lady. Because the room isn't anything spectacular. It's not a luxurious room. It's just the room that she used to have, mm -hmm. right? The room of somebody clearly middle class. So she takes it completely the wrong way and immediately becomes old again because she, her self-worth in that moment, she's reminded by his words, even though they're misconstrued, I believe. She goes back to thinking, that's right, I don't have that much worth. I'm just a cleaning hmm. lady. I'm middle class. I'm not beautiful. I'm not whatever. Yeah. So then they go out into the beautiful field of flowers and she grows young again because, again, Howell is, is it's an act of love, an act of care that he's done something special for her to show her that he likes her, he cares about her, she's special to him. And so she goes back to being young. And the moment that she turns old again is she says about herself, because um, he, she's afraid that he's leaving because he's like giving her this gift and he's acting kind of funny. And um, so she says, you know, tell me what's going on. I'll try to help you. I'm not really good at anything but like cleaning and I'm not that pretty. And he goes, no, Sophie, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. 
And she says, she grows old, like, immediately after he says that. And she says, the good thing about being old is that you have nothing to lose. So I think in that moment, it's kind of like when, if you don't believe you're beautiful and somebody tells you that you are, you know, sometimes it can help. And other times it feels like they're lying, especially if it's said right after you deny it. It feels like they're patronizing you. if you you deny your beauty... Yes, it feels like they're saying it only to try and like make you feel better, not because they actually mean it. So I think in that moment, maybe she didn't think he was being genuine, especially because earlier she thought that he thought thinks of her as just like a cleaning lady or something, you know, because that that moment they they work together. So I really think it has to do with her, her own self-esteem and acceptance of herself. Because by the end, you know, she grows confidence. She's able to help him. She's able to do these, like, major things that change events for the better. And I think throughout the movie, like, her age reflects kind of, like, how happy she is with herself. And maybe a little bit in general. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it has a lot a lot to do with um, self-esteem, yeah, really. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, uh, I actually never thought about it like that until you brought it up. So that all those points they absolutely make sense to me i i totally see that yeah and that's why i was saying that i think this movie is really like pertinent to 2020 not even just 2020 but like the kind of era that we're in with social media because it's so common um i think to see models and things on instagram and and just everywhere on the internet and to be like i don't look like that and everybody's face tuning and all this stuff so i think it's so important to learn to accept yourself and not compare yourself to your sister Letty, you know, because that's what she's doing, yeah. right? The whole the whole story until the end, she learns that other people value her because it seemed like her family didn't. So she, like I said, I think she's helped along by other people loving her and truly valuing her. And then also just learning for herself that she can do certain things and that, you know, maybe beauty isn't the only important thing either. Yeah. And I think Howell learns that too, because he has his breakdown about beauty, but then, you know, his hair turns black and he doesn't dye it back blonde, does he? No. He doesn't. Yeah, they they because learn to his, accept who they are and uh, exactly, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that, that's exactly what happened there. And he even changes from being a coward because he says for so long, he seems kind of disappointed in the fact that he's a coward, but he feels like he can't change it but by the end he does because he wants to keep his new family safe and he doesn't want there to be war and all these things so yeah yeah it's it's well like i said i think it's still pertinent to the current era and it's it's really i really like the theme of this one because i feel like it's something i can directly relate to where something like spirited away where the themes seem to have more to do well the themes the themes for both uh have a lot of stuff that are similar too. like in house moving castle they did uh put themselves in a position to self-sacrifice for one another because they grew to have a bond and that transitions us over to spirit away because that also has that and also kiki also has that as well because kiki also does do that at the very end in the third act but yeah let's talk about spirit away so spirit away is yeah. uh the only i believe the only studio ghibli film to win an oscar um, so that is a huge deal. I remember when they won, uh, everybody was talking about it. I think it was the first time that anime really was on the forefront of American uh, films. And watching this again, I haven't seen Spirit Away for a while, but I hear the music all the time. Like everybody listens to the soundtrack of Spirit Away. It's one of the greatest <laughs> soundtracks of all time. And you could just go on um, Lo-Fi. Is it Lo-Fi or Lo-Fi? I always say Lo-Fi, but... 
I think it's lo-fi. <laughs> whatever the I think it's lo-fi. Yeah, whatever the music stuff is called, there's always a, a Ghibli track with Spirited Away in it. And it, I always listen to stuff like that. And it's just so calming. You know, the minute Spirited Away started playing, it just brought me back to that time period in the 2000s. And it's like I'm a child again watching it. And I'm horrified. <laughs> I'm horrified <laughs> by everything going on. And the funny thing is, I've always been super fascinated with abandoned spaces, especially amusement parks. There's one in Japan that's uh, really interesting uh, that I used to watch YouTube videos on. And I completely forgot that this was the, the inciting incident of how Chihiro, our main character, gets into her magical world. So what happens is Chihiro, our, our lead character, is a young middle school kid who is moving with her parents to a new place. I think her parents are starting a new job in a different city. And before they go to their house, they came across this abandoned amusement park and her dad and mom want to check it out and they find uh, this food stall with food. So her parents start eating and all of a sudden the, the sky starts getting dark and spirits start coming out and her parents turn into pigs. Like the most, and it's the most terrifying part of the movie. Pigs, and she's yelling for her parents, like "Help! Oh my gosh, let's get out of here!" And then her parents are pigs, uh, and then we find out that this is a spirit world, and there's a bathhouse for spirits, and there's a boy named um, Haku, Haku who is there to assist her, and uh, they go on their own little journey to try to help her gain independence to free her parents, and that's the premise of the film right she wants to free them and leave Yeah, freedom and leave this horror house <laughs> just like halloween it's perfect for <laughs> halloween although i don't think any of us should be going into haunted houses this year so please if you go outside public service announcement wear your mask uh it's halloween it's okay to wear a mask <laughs> uh but one thing i do have to say just off the bat from spirit away uh now that i'm an adult watching this i really appreciate the animation on here Chihiro's running movement is one of the best things I've ever seen in animation. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, kind of. Okay, so when she runs... <laughs> I, I feel like I didn't pay as much attention. Oh, really? To okay, so when, when she runs, she puts both of her hands up. And um, it's just the most dainty running motion you'll ever see in, in any animated... <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. Like when she runs, her hands jiggle left and right and it's above her head. It's swaying up and down. And every time she starts running, it's like that. It's such a detailed film that you, that's why they won an Oscar. It's so detailed. There's so many little things here that is so unique to this film and to the action that these humans do because everybody runs a certain way. But when you watch a lot of animated shows, animated films, it's a very generic running motion, right? Chihiro, like, next time you watch it, look for the way she runs. Every time she runs, she puts her hands up next to her head, and it, it, it just sways back and forth. It is the coolest thing ever. I love that uh, running movement. And that's why Spirit Away is such a legendary film. Yeah, I, I did not, uh, I didn't notice the hands thing um, at all. I, I think what I gosh it's like what i noticed about the film is like stinky scary monsters barfing and like it's funny because when we were when we were planning this episode um i was like oh we should do a halloween episode and ion's like okay and we're, we're talking about what to do and 
we come up with, you know, anime. We're like, oh yeah, we haven't actually done that much anime, and it became Studio Ghibli. And he was originally gonna throw. He threw out a different movie than Spirited Away, and he, he originally was like not against it, but he was like maybe not Spirited Away. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is this is like, this is spirits that are like scary looking, <laughs> and like well, this is the perfect Halloween movie. And when I watched it again, I was reminded of that because it it seriously is like horrifying. The first, yeah. Yeah, it's like, especially when she first gets in there, because all of the demons look different, and then even when she's, like, no longer scared, like, that stink monster that comes in, that is actually, what, the dragon, the river dragon or something? It's like, oh, it's the most disgusting thing. It's it's crazy how much disgusting things they have in this film. It's like, I don't know, I, I'd... I just, I'm just like, how did they think oh, of this? If, it's, you know, like, how if they... it was bad for you, as somebody who has a phobia for vomiting, emetophobia, that was that was very difficult for me to watch when No Face was just vomiting everywhere nonstop. And it, it was like oh, the gray shit yes. that was coming out, like it's mud. Gross. It was just like the nastiest yes, shit and ever. It, it just, it makes you think of like sewage. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it just doesn't. Ugh. Yeah, I, I had a hard time it, watching it's... that. Yeah, it was so gross. And in this film, it, if something it made me think of was like, you know how you tell children scary stories so that they're like, you like try to scare them into being good? That's what kind of like what I thought Spirited Away almost reminded yeah. me of. <laughs> Not that Chihiro was even like that bad of a kid. I she mean, was pretty whiny she's though. Like, That's one thing I remember. She was whiny. I, I thought she was the whiniest yes. person ever when I when I was a kid. I was so annoyed with her. No, I, I agree. I, I think she was super whiny and uh, the whole time her parents were just like, oh, whatever. Um, speaking of the scene where they actually like first go into the tunnel, what I thought was really interesting was that there's like a wind that blows, but the only person's hair that moves is Chihiro's. Like her parents' hair doesn't oh, move. Yeah. So it reminded me that of that. It, yeah, maybe. It reminded me of that saying um, that like children and animals can like sense the uh, supernatural, like spirits and ghosts and things, but like adults can't yeah. or something. That's kind of what it made me think of because her parents were like totally oblivious and she's over here like, I'm going to stay in the car. And then she's too scared to stay in the car. Yeah. <laughs> but she had the right of it. She knew they shouldn't be going yeah. in there. And she was correct. Although if it was you and me, we would be horrified too. Like I would be shitting in my pants. I would. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, she has, I guess she has no. an excuse to be a whiny child. <laughs> that was uh, horrifying. If you asked me to go into an abandoned anywhere that was like apparently haunted, it would depend on what it was, but I would probably be like, mm, I don't really? think so. Well, so yeah. our audience doesn't know where you're from, but I do know there's a lot of awesome abandoned places from where you live. So uh, you should check those out. That might be your spirit away journey. You might find your true love. See? <laughs> and speaking of that. Oh, wait. <laughs> speaking of that. That's only water. Only, exactly. Only a nature environmentalist society of Japan could come up with a story about a girl falling literally into and in love with a river. <laughs> that <laughs> that can only come from Japan. That's amazing. Well, I mean, considering the tentacle hentai they've got, I'm sure it'll work out <laughs> just fine for her. All she's got to do is get in again, you know, just get in the water. Wow. And there okay. You go. All right. Well, that, that's that's no, nope, no, nope, we can't talk about that. Nope. We don't want the FBI uh, <laughs> closing down our shop here. Um, but one thing I did love too about Spirit Away after watching it as an adult, and I didn't notice this as a kid. It was just magical. But 
seeing the um, economics and the hierarchy of how the spirit bath house works, that was fascinating to me. There's so many different layers and levels of operation there. And it's like a well-oiled machine. It's like a hotel, you know? There's management. Uh, there's people cleaning. There's caretakers, house house takers, scrubbers. And they each have their own job. And you got to see all of that functioning in this film in a short period of time. I, I thought that was amazing. Like, the hierarchy here was just awesome to see. Because it isn't a real thing, too. This is a spirit bathhouse we don't have those you know so it was, it was really exciting for me to watch something like that <laughs> maybe we do have them maybe, we, just haven't found maybe we do well maybe I, we have to go to the abandoned places yeah exactly an abandoned bathhouse abandoned bathhouse yeah dude abandoned bathhouse sounds nice you get a bathhouse all to yourself like yeah that sounds epic uh <laughs> but speaking of uh <laughs> do you have anything to say about spirit away because we should move on to kiki then because we're running out of time we're running out of time already. We are. You spent a long time explaining how. Well, we'll just make this one an hour and a half. It'll be fine. <laughs> I think uh, everybody's going trick-or-treating and not listening to our podcast. So uh, It is a Halloween special. We, they can listen to it while they're trick-or-treating. We don't want any kids to cry always going to be, and miss out on trick-or-treating. Although kids probably shouldn't be listening. There's always going to be the pansies driving around in the cars instead of being... <laughs> co- oh, wait, you live in... He lives in California. It's actually probably warm where he lives. Where I live, it's quite cold. And so some people tough it out and other people's like the bears just drive them around in their cars and they get out at like every stop, which is like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think they might do like portions. I don't even know. How do you well, do that? I mean, the streets are How pretty narrow in London. Every- so I, I don't think you guys have that difficult of a time. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of a magical European kind of city, Let's move on to Kiki. No, we're let's not going on, on, to Kiki on to Kiki. Yet. Because no. <laughs> we have an hour and a half. We have. To, I want you. I want you to tell me what the um, allegory, or theme, or whatever you want to call it, the analogy, what it is behind Spirited Away. Why did this movie win an Oscar? Was it an Oscar? You said it. Won? Yeah, it won an Oscar. Yep. Uh, well, I don't know if yeah, I don't know if it won an Oscar because of its deep hidden meaning, but. Social com- oh. the social com- so every Miyazaki film has certain social commentary. That's what Ghibli is all about, right? So I know you're not a huge Ghibli fan, but Miyazaki is a huge. No, that's not true. I like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You were you were totally shitting on my favorite Ghibli film the other night. So I. I- Which one was that? Laputa. <laughs> See, see, that's her response. I'm going to force her to watch that, and we're going to do an episode specifically dedicated to it. All right. You even pronounce it similar to how it would be. Um, for people who don't realize, that's how you say ho in like Spanish or something. Maybe I was calling you. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe right. it had some. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> but anyway, back to <laughs> the social commentary for Spirit Away is different from House. So House Moving Castle, Miyazaki altered the story to make it social commentary about the Iraq war because it was around that time. He was very deeply conflicted about the uh, iraq war he was i'm over here talking about love and it's about it, the it iraq was. war the movie okay. was about the iraq war um but spirit away was social commentary about human waste damaging nature and uh, like you mentioned it it was absolutely evident with the spirit who was rich and dirty and they rejected him at first or it or whatever the spirit was and it took Chihiro, uh, uh chiharu's no chihiro chihiro 
Chihiro. Oh my gosh, I wrote Chiharu halfway through. She's a chi. Chihiro. Chihiro. It took Chihiro uh, being such a pure-hearted, nice person to help anybody that she was able to pull out all the waste. And she kept pulling and pulling. There were bikes and just a bunch of shit that was just pollution. And... Yeah, in the in the river. In okay, the, that's very evident. I don't know why. Yeah, they it was that so. Part. They realized that was not a dirty spirit or whatever they call it. Uh, what what do they call it, Sari? Right, a dirt, dirt uh, a stink spirit. A stink, a right. stink monster. They call or it a stink yeah. monster or a stink spirit. But at the end, they find out it was a uh, nature spirit who river. is really yeah. rich and an abundant with resources, and he uh, he he paid them with gold after. So. That was a whole... Right, they made a lot of money they made off a lot, him. Exactly. Him. So that was social commentary about how we dismiss beauty of nature and we trash nature and then we don't love nature because it's trash because it's our fault. You know, it sounds... Yeah, it sounds so obvious when you say it and I didn't even realize it when I was watching because I was so hung up on, on No Face. I was like so hung up on thinking about his purpose in the plot and like what his kind of background was. Mm-hmm. So... For me, I kind of thought, because No Face, I, I thought was a very interesting character because he starts off, he's like outdoors and she lets him in and they didn't want him to come in because he was a No Face, right? And um, he ends up eating people and, and whatnot. And so I thought it had a lot to do with like greed, but it, but it does go beyond that because um, he says that he's lonely. So I thought there were a few themes here, greed being a big one. But then also that, like, money can't buy you happiness. It felt like No Face was just trying to buy people and buy happiness because, you know, he kept trying to give Chihiro things and she kept denying. She said, I don't, I don't need that. You know, <laughs> she just, I don't need it. And she was the only person who was nice to him without getting paid for it. Everyone else was all over him because he could create gold, Right. And then at the end, it turned out to be pebbles. It changed into pebbles at the very least. And so that's kind of what I thought his thing was. It was was like, it showed how detrimental like money can be because everybody who was obsessed with money in the film ended up in some sort of disaster, like no face ate them or caused like some sort of problem for them, you know? I I feel like, uh, yeah, that you make a great point. I see that as well. But for the no face thing, uh, one thing I saw that I linked him with was with the baby. Uh, if you th- so in this film, uh, Baba ha- Baba, who was I guess the main antagonist who owns the bathhouse, he has a huge ass baby. <laughs> This baby has a huge <laughs> ass as well, which you actually see in the film. <laughs> but um, you, you do. do, you do. But the baby, FBI, not and <laughs> the baby and No Face have a lot of similarities here because they're judged and they're viewed without anybody actually knowing who they are. And Baba loves her child, but she doesn't know her child. She kept her child locked up for so long, and she's only based. She's only basing her. She coddled it. Yeah, she coddled it, and she only based her emotions off its appearance, the baby's appearance, to the point where when the baby gets turned by um, her his aunt into a mouse, Baba didn't even notice her child was no longer her child, and that the right she didn't yeah know. there was a scene where the yeah. mouse was actually she didn't she recognize, didn't recognize her or recognize him, right. and that's. That's the whole social commentary uh, Miyazaki was having here, too, that 
we judge so much on appearance. Everybody didn't give No Face a chance because he's a No Face. They don't let his kind in because he's a he's a monster that eats people. Chaharu, because I guess part of it is she does she's naive. She's never been to the spirit world. She doesn't know the spirit. She lets him in. She was worried that he was getting nice. rained on. That pureness, that kindness, and. That's that's something that we can learn as a society, and that's what Miyazaki wanted to show. Same thing with the baby. The mom, all she cared about was the appearance of the child, the being a, a baby that she can coddle to and for her own enjoyment. And she never really understood what the baby actually needed and what the baby actually is. So right. that's the social commentary I, I saw there. Yeah, the baby reminded me very much of um, Rapunzel because even though Rapunzel was made after, at least the Disney version mm-hmm. of it, because the baby says to Chihiro, he's like, I can't go outside, I'll get germs or something like that. Like his mom tries to scare him into staying in, just like what happens in Rapunzel. Yeah. There's like the whole song about it, like ruffians and thugs, poison ivy, quicksand, <laughs> cannibals and snakes to play. Uh, that's, the, that's the song uh, lyrics. Yes, I know them very well. <laughs> but anyhow, you're talking about kindness, and I think that is one of the um, recurring character traits we see in every like single, at least the three that we're talking about today, because Sophie, Chihiro, and Kiki all have this incredible kindness. Um, so pureness. So in Howl's Moving Castle... It feels Castle, like a pureness. Yeah, yeah. in Howl's in House Moving Castle, Sophie is kind to the Witch of the Waste. So the Witch of the Waste um, is kind of... She's trying to steal Howl's heart. And she's she's the one who curses Sophie. And even... And after, like, the Witch of the Waste kind of gets what's coming to her from the Lady Solomon, um, the sorceress... Sophie takes her home and she like becomes part of the family and she's so kind to this woman who did something arguably horrible to her and the same thing happens in in um Chihiro's case you know the uh no face doesn't directly hurt her but he does like chase her down and like he eats people and he does arguably horrible things and and Chihiro like forgives him and is like, yeah, whatever, come with me to go see Yubaba's sister and like fix things. And then he finds a place with Yubaba, or not Yubaba, but her sister. Um, z- is it with a Z? It's something with a Z. Zaniba. Granny. They just call her. She call yeah Zaniba. She calls her Granny. Yeah. So, and then even in Kiki, you see uh, a level of kindness with the way that she helps a lot of the customers that she sees, especially the old lady who. Uh, bakes the pie she helps her around the house so there's this theme in each of the main characters that i think i wonder how many other uh studio ghibli films it would be in that we'd see these characters who are just like their kindness is like next level so i think you're right with even saying pure yeah a pure heart children are the purest humans alive it's well sophie's not even a child technically Uh, i I believe oh yeah yeah, sophie yeah yeah, she uh, yeah, she's a adult, but yeah, I mean, in in spirit away with the whole uh, thing that you just mentioned there with Shihiro, I mean, you can even go further with the baby and the crow. I mean, they kind of sabotaged her a little bit. Right. She Haku <laughs> almost did. died because of them, and she took them right. with her just like that. She could have yeah. abandoned them. Yeah. I mean, in my in that scenario, she's against the clock. Her parents could be eaten at any time. She could be selfish. She should be selfish. But you're right. She she doesn't. She chooses to help others. She left her parents to go try to save Haku, which 
yes, we learned that they had a connection prior later on. But in that circumstance, in that case, she didn't know that. She could have left him and tried to figure out how to leave without, you know, without saving him. But she decided it was important to take care of him and to pay him back for all that she yeah. did for her when she first got there. Right. And, and along those lines, so she gets this ball of, I don't know, it kind of looks like algae, but she gets this like magical medicine from the river spirit that she cleans in the large tub that they thought was a stink monster. And she thought, maybe I can use this to turn my parents back into humans, yep. right? And she gives yep. it away. Mm-hmm. Both of them. She gives all yeah. of it away. Uh-huh. She gives one to No-Faced and... Because yeah. she breaks pieces of it yeah, off. And yeah. also Haku. Uh, also, let's... Before we finish, we got to finish this and move on to Kiki this time. For real. Uh, but the Haku <laughs> thing. Uh, what did you think of this whole river spirit and uh, her actually falling into a river as a child? And Haku actually saving her um, before the movie happened. Um, I I feel like they had to do something. Well, maybe not. Maybe they didn't have to do it. I, I think it worked in the sense that like she needed some sort of ally in this place. Because if she didn't have one, then she wouldn't... Um, she wouldn't be able to get out. But another reason they probably did it is because for his character and for hers as well... They have to... <laughs> there's a dog in my background sleeping, obviously. Um, they have to remember their names because... <laughs> uh, I think Booper is saying your answer uh, makes no sense and he's falling asleep. But uh, no, what I... What I <laughs> no, I'm saying Yubaba steals their names and they remember each other's names. And if she didn't remember his name, he never would have gone free. So if they had never met before, how would she ever know his name? Right, right. That's uh, what what I was trying to ask you was, how did you feel about this whole um, kind of like fantasy romance destiny thing? It was meant to be. It happened. And this is kind of like what we were talking about with a future episode, which we're going to cover uh, very soon. So be sure to subscribe. We're talking about some romantic hey drama stuff. But there's uh, this whole thing about a train going one way and then going back and it's always full circle <laughs> if it was meant to be you'll always reunite with somebody you really connect with and you love and this is what happened here in spirit away right it's like a very disney so like what is she be gonna film. do though like is she gonna go live on the river like i just don't like how do they reconnect in this case well when your boyfriend is the river Oh, actually, yeah, they sealed up the river, so I guess he can move to another river. Maybe he could but just uh, live in her bathtub or something. I don't know if the river that she crossed was the same it river, was. though. It was. Like, he might have been a different river. It was. That was the whole—she uh, the, says that right before she rides. She's like, oh, they covered up your river with his name on it. That was the river. Oh, that's right. She says that they covered it up, and it's yeah. under a tunnel uh-huh. it's under a tunnel. Yeah. now. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I mean— so, <laughs> well, I just, I just, like— I guess I, I don't get it being like fate in a romantic sense because they're never going to have like they can't ever actually be together. right? They can't. Why not? Because he's a spirit. Oh, I've seen some weirder Japanese shit where uh, the woman, the, the female keeps a spirit, water spirit into like a dolphin, uh, dolphin blow up doll. It keeps it with water, and they they date for a while. So um, this is it, it happens. It happens. I'm sure that can happen. I I would like to. <laughs> it happens. All right, let's move on to Kiki, uh, because we are really running out of time now. No matter what Siri says, we're not going to stretch this to two hours. Uh, all right, two hours. <laughs> all right. So 
It's witch time. It's witch time, your favorite. So uh, Siri loves witches, and this is probably one of the best and most... Should we talk about how you don't love witches? When when did I ever say I don't like witches? What are you talking about? You can cut this out if you don't want it to be. You are cursed, apparently, and so you hate witches and are terrified of them. Ah, Oh, okay. No, no, okay. She was not a witch. Okay, so what Siri is referring to, we have an episode of Ike shit that we cut out, uh, and we might do it eventually. Wait, uh, did you act? Did we record us talking? I don't think we ever. It was scheduled, but certain things happened. It was early on in our uh, in our schedule, but basically, we were going to do an MMORPG life romance. Uh, oh, backstories, okay, okay. right? I get what you're talking about. The one that right, right. So we 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 planned an episode. Both Sarah and I have had online romances uh, with MMO players. No, you're getting too far away from the point. Yeah, it's just a backstory. Cheating. It's a backstory. She was not. So I, I I met somebody online. We dated for a long time, and her sister was a Satanist, not not oh, a witch. Okay. You were the witch. You and your friend were the witches, not. I'm not a witch. I a only witch. tried witchcraft. You, okay, okay. For this episode, oh, but that wasn't even what for, I thought was going to be the worst for you from Kiki. I didn't even think of witches. I only thought of it now. What I really thought about when I thought of Kiki and your worst nightmare was a yes. <laughs> yes. There's a scene where she drop like she drops a she crash lands or something in like the forest, and she lands next to a bird's nest, and the bird thinks that she's like um, attacking its nest. And the birds like swarm her, and they're attacking her. And I thought, I thought Ion's having nightmares <laughs> yes. right now. This is scarier than Spirited yes. Away for him. Well, like, no. he is fast forwarding. I also through have a phobia part. for vomiting, so that vomiting stuff was also horrifying for me. <laughs> but uh, yes, that bird stuff is. Uh, we're very different. So your Sari is more like a Snow White, where she talks to animals. Birds are flying and shitting all over her hand and her head and her face. And if I even t- it's chat on my forearm. <laughs> if I even come close to touching a bird, I would freak the hell out and I break into hives or something like that. That's that's how much I hate birds. So uh, yes, I would hate to be in that position with birds. But we're getting too far for ourselves with whole satanists and stuff like that. No, but now I want to tell you about all my bird shit stories because there's no way that you guys can hear that I got shat on by a bird. Like. Okay. Okay. We, we're, we're not going to. We're not talking. We're not going to talk about. <laughs> going to talk about this. <laughs> All you need to know. We are. Ladies we're recording and gentlemen, on the thirteenth in a couple of days. Ladies and gentlemen, no, we're not recording. On, wait, we're not recording on the thirteenth. This is episode thirteen. I realize that we messed up too. This is episode thirteen. We're not. This you is, said that I know, in the beginning. I I realize, we are recording on no. the thirteenth, and it's the thirteenth. Are we recording on? Is it the thirteenth right now? The bird shot on my arm. A couple. It, it was until it was well, for you. It wow. was for me as well. But now it's at past minute. Okay, but anyway, lots of 13s here because it is the Halloween episode, so we made sure that we've got all of the, like, lucky Halloween 13s going on. So anyway, a couple no, no, days no, ago, no, no, I was no, enjoying no. the weather. This is the most incoherent <laughs> we've been in a long time, guys. No, 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 no. All you need to know, ladies and gentlemen, oh is own. that Sari gets shat on. 
by birds all the time. Okay, so that's all you need no, to know. No, it's only happened all, twice. twice. The other <laughs> time, more than most people. Was when I, let's get back to Kiki. Let's get back to Kiki. Let's get back to Kiki. We're already an hour in. We don't need to be talking about birds I taking a shit on you. We've already gotten with a, very sexual, like dog, with the technical stuff. We don't and need it this shat fetish on thing. my shoulder. Oh my and God. I zoomed, <laughs> I zoomed are, back to my apartment okay, and I'm took try, a shower. We're trying to keep this safe for work, even though we're not safe for work. Let's just so okay. Just you know what? Let's just end this. Just e- let's just end this episode. Everybody, go have a great Halloween. No. Go trick or treat. Bring your children to trick or treat. I'm gonna bring my daughter we, out to trick or treat now because she needs to. Kiki. We're gonna cut out Kiki because you don't have a daughter. Oh wait, I'm your daughter. This is this is getting way too incoherent. We've reached the hour mark. We're good. Do we're you good. realize I could have told that story good. In like five minutes? Well, five, been that's ten five minutes. We don't. Five minutes. We don't want. All right. All right. Good. So we'll see so you guys next week. Do. I mean, we'll see you guys. In, no, we haven't. We'll see you guys in two weeks. We have to talk about. Kiki. All right. Farewell, everybody. We'll we'll talk about Kiki some other time. Uh, all right. All right. Bye. <laughs>